On The Go podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary. For more information, please visit www.thesanctuarychurch.com. It is Next Gen Takeover. We are excited this morning to take over service. Pastor Liz and I are going to be preaching together, co-teaching a, a, a sermon called Because of Fill in the Blank. But before we go into that message, um, I want to give you guys a couple of exciting announcements. We are bringing U-Turn to Sunday mornings, which is so exciting. February 13th, we're going to be having service at the 11 a.m. service, and we're so excited. Last year, 109 youth-age people gave their hearts to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And so God is doing amazing things. We are expanding. We're multiplying. Our kids' ministry is growing. Our young adults is growing. And so we're preparing for that. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, if you're passionate about youth, we got a place for you over in U-Turn um, to volunteer. Also, our young adults, we meet in the first and the third. And we've been hanging out, uh, fellowshipping together, having lunch, just having real conversations. And we have some exciting announcements coming up for our young adults. Um, so stay tuned in that. Um, and this morning, I want to talk about the importance of being there in somebody's life because all of us have this amazing ability to impact somebody. All of us have this amazing ability to help somebody else and that's what Jesus did, right? He ultimately laid down his life for others and that's what he calls us to do, to lay down our lives for others as well. And so that's what we're gonna talk about this morning. And so I wanna read you this amazing quote, one of my favorite quotes. Um, it says this from Sir Isaac Newton. If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Who are those giants in your life? Or maybe the question here in your notes, who have been the most important people in your life and why? We're going to be talking about that today. Who are the most important people in your life and why? I want to share a couple of really important people in my life. You're going to see some pictures flash up on the screen. Um, this is one of my heroes. This is somebody that I'm standing on the shoulders, shoulders of. This is a pastor actually down in Pasadena. His name is David Pinkston. He is a rocker, and he was rocking for Jesus up at camp, and he led me to Jesus. Without David, I would not be standing here today. Thank God for his faithfulness leading up at camps. Also, when I was 14, years old, there was this guy named Big John that I met, and Big John um, decided to, to disciple me, to hang out with me, to spend time with me, and because of Big John, he inspired me to start teaching the Bible, and I don't think I'd be a pastor today without this awesome guy right here. Come on, look at Big John. He is just an amazing guy, um, and so he still serves down in Anaheim. Um, Don Phillips, when I was in high school, I went to a private Christian school. He was a principal. He called me out, and he said, Ashton, I see a gift in you. Let's make you a worship leader for the school. I was the youngest worship leader for my school, and it's the tall guy right here, the really tall guy. He's 6'8". Um, he's an awesome person. Um, and because of him, I started leading worship and, and he really poured his life into me. And then also here are my parents, uh, Karen and Rob. I mean, without them, they were like such a huge impact in my life. And I want to encourage you, parents, you have the greatest impact on your kids. And, and maybe sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but you do. They're watching you. You are so important. And so I just want to thank my parents. And I want to thank all the parents out there. In fact, can we can we applaud our parents for being amazing, for all that you're doing, all the late nights, all the love for our kids. You guys are awesome. Um, so there's, these amazing people intentionally chose me. They intentionally poured into my life. And see, that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people that intentionally pour into the lives of others. And that's what the Bible teaches us. And that's what Jesus did in his life. But then also he was moving through his disciples. One of his most uh, famous disciples was Peter. You guys know Peter, right? Crazy Peter, right? Walking on water, Peter, put his mouth, in, put his foot in his mouth. Peter always did the crazy things. But God said, hey, I'm going to build my church on this rock. I'm going to use Peter. And so I want to 
uh, use a text in First Peter this morning to encourage us to be people that would lay down our lives for the next generation, to be people that would intentionally choose other people and impact their lives. And so I want to look here in the context of First uh, Peter. It's going to be First Peter 2.8. And the context of this books, book is this, is that Peter is, is encouraging the church. They're going through a really hard time. There's a lot of suffering in the early church. A lot of people are turning away from their faith. And Peter's like, no, keep following God. Keep going out. Keep evangelizing. Keep being the church to people in this time. And so this is what it says here in 1 Peter 2.8. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. This is Peter warning people, hey, be people of the Bible. They're stumbling because they're not obeying the word of God. Stick with your faith. Keep going during hard times. Isn't that the COVID message? Hey, stick with your faith. Keep going during the hard times. Don't stumble. Keep following the word of God. Even though there's craziness right now happening in our world, God's word is still true and still reliable. Amen? That's who our God is. Stand on the word of God. And then, and then Peter's about to remind us of our identity and our mission as the church. This is important, everybody. This is something in your Bible. You should underline this. This is an identity statement for the church. This is a mission statement for the church, and not just for the sanctuary. I mean, the church of Jesus. This is what it says here in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that, people that aren't obeying the word of God. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that such a great verse right there? That's something we should underline. And so I want to I go over this verse right now. I want to I dive deep into this. And then Pastor Liz is going to come up and she's going to do the second um, part of this verse. She's our kids pastor. Can we give some love to Pastor Liz? She's doing a great job in our kids ministry. I'll tell you right now, Next Gen isn't happening without this amazing woman of God and the amazing youth team and young adults team. Seriously, we have amazing leaders at this church. And so I want to look at this. This, this passage here, and I want to break it down, um, and I, I have it in your notes. So if you want to look at your notes in the app right now, these are important. These are true. This isn't just if you're a young person. This is true. This is like kingdom true for everybody here in this room, right? No matter what age you are. It's this. God's chosen people help others realize they are chosen. I'm going to say it one more time. God's chosen people help others realize they're chosen. Do you know that there's so many people out there, they don't know that they have been chosen by God. They don't know that they are so loved by God. I had a Bible professor say, hey, there's a lot of pre-Christians out there. Isn't that a great, great way to look at it? There's a lot of pre-Christians out there, people that don't know God, people that don't know that they're chosen by God, that, that, that God's saying, that's my kid and I love them. And that's our responsibility as a church to choose others. I think of Big John that chose me when I was 14 and Don Phillips, that big tall guy that, that, that saw something in me and chose me and loved me. He, he realized that there was something in me and he brought that to life. That's what we're called to do as the church. The second thing here is God's loved children help others realize they are loved. Isn't that the gospel message that for God so loved the world that he sent his own, one and only son, right? that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves us. And David Pinkston, that rocker guy that you guys saw earlier, that picture, he showed me the love of God and it changed my life. There can be all these programs and, and, and hey, I'm, I'm part of them right now. I'm part of grief recovery. I believe in programs are great, but guess what? God's love can change someone's heart in an instant. The salvation of God can come in and radically rock someone's life. And that's the job that we have as the church, to let people know of the amazing love, the reckless love of God that Jesus displayed on the cross by giving his life. And so we are God's loved children, and we need to help others realize they are loved. 
And the last, and this is what I want to focus on the most this morning, is this. God's royal priests help others realize they are royal priests. Did you guys know that you are a royal priest this morning? That you are a a, a prince or a princess? That you are a minister of Jesus Christ? Every single person. It's not just Pastor Marty, and he's an amazing, can we give some honor to our pastor? Isn't Pastor Marty awesome? Isn't he such a faithful man? 30 years at the sanctuary, an awesome man of God, somebody I look up to, somebody that mentors me. Man, I'm so thankful that he is the priest of this church. But guess what? We're all underneath him as ministers as well. It isn't just his job to to help save people. It's our job, amen, to help save people. We are all royal priests. And so I want to break break down what royal priests are. Um, If you are a kid in this room, um, you got a a packet. And on here is a picture of a priest. And I'm going to go over this in a minute. And some honey, which I'll go over in just a minute as well. Um, And so, um, and hey, I got my honey, my wife over here in the room. Okay, anyway, so. Sorry, I got to do the bad, you know, dad joke at least one time while I'm, you know, while I'm here up here. So love you, Tori. Um, anyway, so you can see that in here. You got this coloring. We're going to be coloring this and uh, you got your honey. So we'll, we'll hold that out. So I want to talk about what it means to be a priest because that's not in our vernacular. That's not normal language here in, in our church. And so I want to talk about what does it mean to be a royal priest? And so you can check this out up, up, up above. The first thing is priests represent the people to God and offer sacrifices for the people's sin. That's what a priest did. And if you look at this picture of a priest, it's going to come up and also it's on this paper. You're going to notice that on the breastplate, there's 12 stones and those 12 stones actually represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so every time the priest was doing sacrifices, he represented the people to God. You also notice that on top of the turban, there's this gold thing. Um, it says in Hebrew, it says this, that, that uh, your holiness to the Lord. And so every priest came in um, being holy, coming in to make a sacrifice because God is holy for the people. And so that is what we're to do. We are to be people that sacrifice for others. We're called to be priests. And I want to stop here, right here for a second and just say this. Guess what? We already had a high priest named Jesus that gave and sacrificed for all of our sin. Amen? That's what he did on the cross. He was the ultimate sacrifice. So thank God we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore. We don't have to do the whole sacrificial system. But the Bible does say that we need to be living sacrifices. We need to be living sacrifices. We need to give our life away for God's kingdom. We're called to be people that represent others to God. That we're to be a bridge for other people. The second thing a priest did in the Old Testament and that can parallel to us is this. Priest taught the law, the laws found in the Bible. And so you can think of the Ten Commandments or there's actually 613 laws. And this is where the honey comes in. So if you're a kid here in this room, I want you to pull your honey out. And this is something that rabbis would do when, when, when kids were growing up and they were learning the Torah or the law. What they'd actually do is write out the words of God, the law of God as honey. Why? Because honey was sweet to their lips. The word of God is actually life. That when we have the laws of God, the word of God brings us life. And sometimes people think it's restriction, but guess what? Freedom comes actually when we're restricted. And that's weird to think about. Freedom comes when we're actually restricted. Because if you can just go do whatever you want, then I could just jump off right now. Well, no, that's a barrier. We need to have barriers in our life so we live, right? And that gives true freedom when we actually have laws. We actually have things in our life that keep us, boundaries that keep us safe, And we live in a world today that that doesn't want to obey the law, right? We live in a world today that's all around the place. And people are, guess what? They're falling off in their life and they're doing all sorts of crazy things. That's why God gave us his word to be the law, to keep us safe, to actually bring freedom 
to us, not restrict us. Amen? That's what God's law does. And see, as God's royal priests, we're here to proclaim that. And I think we've gotten a bad narrative about the Bible and about the laws and about all these things. No, we need to tell people there is freedom in the word of God. That that is God's word that brings life and, and, and it, it explains who we are in Christ and how we are to function in Christ. And so we are people of the word and we need to help others know the word of God. Can I get an amen? And that means so be it. Come on. We want to be those type of people. And the third thing is this. Priests determine if someone was clean or unclean. They determine if someone was clean or unclean. I was actually going to have a kid come up here today and I actually bought on Amazon a little priest um, suit. Um, and, but no ki- I couldn't convince a kid to do it. <laughs> I was like, I kept calling. I'm like, please, would you help me out? And I was going to have him at this point uh, go out into the crowd and find out who was dirty and, and who didn't take a shower this morning. But, but I, I decided not to do that. It just didn't work out. Um, but you might think, that's weird. What, you know, what was that? And how does that, how does that affect my life today as a priest? You know what we are to be people of? We're to be people that help others get spiritually well, emotionally well, mentally well, and physically well. We're about healing and helping other people. We're about taking people to Jesus that can heal people. Amen? That is what a priest does. And so I want to encourage you this morning. If you're taking anything away of what I just talked about before we go into Pastor Liz's part of this message, I want to encourage you. You are a priest. You are a royal priest. You are a prince or princess of God, and you have a calling on your life to help and to lay down your life for others. And so I want to show you guys a video. We actually took a video of some of our kids and our youth and our volunteers talking about how important it is to lay down your life for others. And here at the sanctuary, we do that through small groups. We have small group leaders and leaders that speak into our kids. So check out this video from our kids and from our leaders. My brother Cole helps me to pray. Mr. Jesse, you have been they help me be kind to people. Pastor Marty, um, when I'm sick, he tells us important things. Pastor Liz helps me, me do by Bible verses. My aunt helps me by praying. Mrs. Mrs. Rebecca shows, me, shows us God's kindness. Miss Rebecca helps me to worship God. Becca, and she shows me what a woman of God should look like. Shanna, because she helps me find good ways to communicate to God. Aaron, because he keeps me accountable. My small group leader, Mr. Manning, has taught me the Bible in really fun ways. My favorite part about being a small group leader is watching girls grow their relationship with God and asking and seeking advice on personal hardships. Uh, My favorite part about being a small group leader is getting to interact with the same kids over and over and see their growth every week, see them memorize Bible verses and see when the verses started to click in their heads and apply them to their lives. Uh, I learn a lot and they actually teach me a ton in the process. My favorite thing about volunteering is getting to love on the little ones and then you get to serve with friends. Um, I agree with that, and I also like just being a part of the church and being able to help. Pick one thing, it would be teaching them how to look up a verse in the Bible. Uh, So many people don't know how, and when they have the opportunity to do that, their face just lights up with excitement. So that's my favorite thing. My favorite part about being a small group leader is getting an opportunity to speak into the lives of the students I work with and also to receive from them. There's so much that I can gain just from hanging out with the students and so much that I can impart to them because the senior guys that I work with are going through stuff that I went through recently. So I get to kind of impart some of my wisdom to them and I really love doing that and having that opportunity to 
speaking to their life. Um, I just forgot it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a beautiful gift it is to share the love of God with a child. Uh, there are so many videos and stories we could share. That was just a handful of them. I would encourage you, if you have a child in your life or a youth in your life, start asking them about the adults in their life and what they think about them and what they love, um, where they're encouraged, if they feel safe and comfortable. Learn to ask good questions with your kids, and you will start to see that God is putting people around them to help nurture and grow. I will say two of those kids are my own children, and I am so beyond thankful that somebody else is holding my 14-year-old son accountable. I am so beyond thankful that Becca Tamas can show my daughter what a woman of God looks like because I don't want her to be a cookie cutter of me. I want her to see that these are the different flavors of what God does and what it looks like. And she has so many examples because we plug in here. It is just such a beautiful thing when you get to invest in a child. I'm going to go ahead and pick up where Pastor Ashton left off. I'm going to review. Let's review 1 Peter 2 verse 9. It says this, but you are not like that. Thank God we are not like that, right? Take some time to read Peter. There's a whole group of things we are not like. It says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Say, I'm a royal priest. I am a royal priest. All right. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness and into wonderful light. As a result, like Pastor Ashton said, God's love children help others realize they are loved. Because you are a royal priest, you do this. You show others the goodness of God. Sharing God's goodness starts, though, by seeing God's goodness. Think about some ways that you've seen God's goodness this week. Maybe it's a beautiful sunrise or a sweet conversation with a friend. Maybe you've gotten some unexpected provision in your mailbox, praise God, um, or a miraculous healing. But for me, the goodness of God most of the time is in my day-to-day. -day. Like when my child tells me I love you and comes over and prays for me and makes me about weep in the middle of Pastor Ashton's service. The goodness of God is looking at the mountains on my way into church and going, man, the God who created all of that calls me chosen, calls me a royal priesthood, that I get to show the goodness of God, not the ocean, not the mountaintops, not the sunrise, right? I get to show the goodness of God. Now, though, I want you to think about how do you proclaim the goodness of God right now in your life? I think probably right now the, bit, the most prominent way we share is social media. How many of you are on Facebook? Instagram, something, right? And hopefully, if you have positive content on your feed, you're seeing all kinds of things of goodness of God. Someone posted a picture of the sunrise this morning, right? Somebody's asking for prayer and then saying, thank God for prayer. I loved following Kelly's story a little bit because I could see the goodness of God in real time on social media, right? And maybe you had a conversation this morning in the hallway, and here in a little bit, we're going to sing about the goodness of God, 
But have you ever been in a conversation and started talking about the goodness of God with somebody and their face was literally blank? Have you ever started talking about that and you see the walls go up because they do not feel like they are a chosen people or a royal priest? That you are speaking of an exclusive club that God has favor on you, but they have no understanding of what that even looks like. See, I would like you to do me a favor. Everyone close your eyes and point to where you think north is. And I need you to keep your eyes closed, point to where you think north is. Everyone, everyone, all of you, I don't see you. Come on, all my youth, I'm expecting you to actually be involved. Where do you think north is? And when you open your eyes, you keep where you're pointing. All right, open your eyes. Okay, clearly somebody is wrong here. <laughs> Keep, I'm going to pull out my compass. Let's see, where is actually north? Guess what? North is that way. But here's the problem. If I started telling you where to go to Starbucks and I said, hey, start going north, and you guys go somewhere else, you, some of you, by your direction of north, are going to end up in Friendly Valley. Some of you are going to end up at this, this school, some of you will end up up at La Casina. Um, but you think right now that you went the way I told you, right? So let's think about that in relation to love and God's goodness. When we are sharing with others the love of God, they are receiving that information through their definition of love. So it might be conditional, might be confusing, heartbreaking, extreme highs and low lows. It might be a flying Cupid, uh, maybe a wonderful, loving childhood, or maybe abusive foster home. Our experiences shape our definition of love. In sharing the love of the Father, we need to make sure that the people we are sharing with have the same definition as us. Now, I could tell you to go north, and because you were wrong, I could say, you were wrong. This is where north is. You have to go that way, and that's a little abrupt, right? Or I could get in the car with you. We could set a course, and we could start going, and you would start to realize that maybe your definition of what north was was not correct, and then we would arrive at the destination and go, oh, right, this is where we were going. What does that look like, though, in the lives of believers? We get to be that compass for other people. I like to call that a lighthouse, though. That's something God has spoken that word to me over and over in my walk with the Lord, that we get to be lighthouses in other people's lives. See, lighthouses are not just beautiful. They have a purpose. Maybe your mom has them in, their ba- in her bathroom or they're all over Hobby Lobby. But the reality is lighthouses show us the way. Oftentimes when it's dark and stormy, they redirect our path. They remind us either, yes, you're on right course or, whoa, whoa, don't come close. There's danger here. We all need lighthouses in our lives. That's going to be your fill-in on that. Every single one of us needs lighthouses. As royal priests... We get to be that lighthouse for other people. There's a lighthouse. This is a lighthouse uh, in my hometown, Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Um, And believe it or not, this was just a high-level water day. 
Usually, though, in the summer, I would walk out on that pier, and I'd sit out there and just kind of really contemplate who God is. And, but even when it wasn't too stormy, you still couldn't see the pier. You still need the lighthouse. We get to show people the love of God by redefining what real love looks like for them and directing them back to God. So what does that translate in every day? Maybe you go, I, I'm not a pastor, Pastor Liz. But maybe opening the door for someone who's struggling to get their kids into the grocery cart and to go forward. Maybe just you putting your own shopping cart away. I mean, how many times have you seen people like, I, my faith in humanity has been restored because they see someone put their shopping cart away. Praise Jesus. But it is about that. Maybe it's sitting down with someone who's in the middle of grief, allowing them space to process all the things that are going on in their life. Maybe it is not saying all the things that you think God has for them, but first sitting down with them, having a meal, asking them questions and giving them space to share their story. In kids' church, that looks like our welcome team greeting families as they finally made it to church, (laughs) Um, not judging them that they still have McDonald's all over their face, but saying, welcome, we're so glad you're here. Not saying, it's been five weeks since you've been here. We're just so happy that you're here. Maybe it's a soothing care glider that a new mom said, you thought of me. I want to be here, but I can't quite be here. So I can be here without being here because I've been thought of and comforted. Maybe it's our small group leaders sitting on the floor with our kids and listening to all kinds of crazy stories. I promise we don't believe all of it is 100% true from home, but we do hear about your crazy dog, and we do hear about why they think their world is crashing down. And sometimes it's just because someone didn't want to play with them on the playground, but sometimes it's because your family had hard news this week. Being present in a child's life helps them define what authentic, real love looks like. I'm going to say that again. Being present in a child's life helps them define what authentic love looks like. So when they hear the love of God or they feel the goodness of God, they can identify it because they know what they're looking for. They can see it because weekly Mr. Manning is there. And he is teaching those boys how to connect with God in a fun way. Weekly, Miss Rebecca is asking those girls Hey, what's going on in your life? And she's willing to let them ask really hard questions. And then next week, ask them again. Hey, how are you doing? How did that go? Can I pray with you? We can sing the praises about the goodness of God from the mountaintops. We can just shout it out and put a beautiful Facebook post out there. And this, all the likes, all of our Christian peeps who know what we're talking about are going to like, 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 share, comment. But we need to make sure that we are not sounding like a gong to those of us around us who do not have the same definition of love. Show them the love of God. It is a privilege as royal priests that we get to help others connect with him. I mean, besides the really cool robe and the little turban, not going to lie, every once in a while, I'm like, that would be fun when I was trying to figure out what to wear this morning. It would have been nice to just have a robe and a turban, and I didn't have to figure out 
what is appropriate for big church? Um, you have one. It will not fit me. That's adorable. But, uh, <laughs> and I will say that there have been pivotal points in my life, even though I've walked with Jesus all of my life, that I've needed someone to remind me of the goodness of God. I am thankful that my because of list is so long. I have a because of my mom, because of my grandpa. I have because of all of my Awana leaders and my youth leaders. I have a because of my friends' parents would let me sit at their table and hash out my faith. And instead of being afraid of me reconstructing something, they would gently guide me back to scripture because my truth compass was a little off. I'm thankful for those people. Each of them chose to be present in my life, and I needed a lighthouse. I am so honored when I get to do the same. I get to sit sometimes out on a bench after church and listen to all the cares of a four-year-old. Sometimes I just get to sit in the right moment when somebody has had a really difficult situation. Those are lighthouse moments. There are certain pivotal moments in a person's life where they need someone to point them to God. I'd like you to think and reflect on that. Who has been in your life at a pivotal moment where you needed someone to connect? We get to be those lighthouses, but we also get to be around those lighthouses. When you connect here in the body, I'm around a whole bunch of lighthouses. I'll say in kids' ministry, sometimes it's been a bit overwhelming, and my team has been that for me. I met most of your children on Zoom 18 months ago. And then a few months later, we were able to jump into outside VBS church, which that was a fun season um, and seems like it was years ago, but really it was just a few months. Now we're in a full service at 11 for birth to sixth grade, and I would love to see that grow to the 9 a.m., but we need lighthouses. <laughs> we need people to welcome in the morning. We need people to hold babies and just be present. There are so many exciting things that we have on the horizon and that God has on the horizon for our kids' ministry. And I know and believe that as a church family, as each of us pick up the identity of a royal priest, that those things will be able to come to fruition. But as much as I am thankful for all the people that fill my list of because, the one who matters most is Jesus. Because of Jesus, we can see, know, and understand the goodness of God. See, God, Jesus is the ultimate lighthouse. Jesus always directs us back to the Father. Jesus always served first to define what love was before he began to preach love at the people around him. Time and time again, you see he washed feet and then spoke love. He healed someone and then spoke. He sat and wept with someone he knew he was about to heal and correct the whole situation. But he defined what love is when someone is grieving and then moved into that. Because of Jesus, we can fully understand and embrace the goodness of God. Now, if you are here and you've not ever had a because of Jesus and you're starting to think of all the people in your life that you had because of, maybe because of your mom you didn't end up in jail, which is praise God, but also understanding because of Jesus. If that's a new experience for you, I want to invite you 
to accept him as your savior. Because that last part of that verse says he called us out of darkness and into wonderful light. But he didn't just call us and say, come on, figure out a way to get over here. He said, come on, Jesus has made a way. Jesus made a way for you to have a life abundantly here, but also he's preparing a way for you to be in heaven. But that starts by just saying, you know what, Jesus, I recognize that because of you, I don't have to sit in sin and shame anymore. Because of you, I have a savior.